This is Salt and Spine. My ultimate goal is is like sharing Hawaii cuisine and then and sharing the beautiful people of Hawaii and it truly is paradise and you know Hawaii has been painted in some sort of way in every, everyone's mind of hula girls and grass skirts and Elvis playing the ukulele so I get to show more in depth of what the real and rawness of, of Hawaii cuisine is. Hi there, Brian Hogan-Stewart here, and you're listening to Salt and Spine, stories behind cookbooks. You just heard from today's guest, Sheldon Simeon. Now, Sheldon is the author of Cook Real Hawaii, his first cookbook. A native of Hilo on the Big Island, Sheldon grew up with a love for food and learned how to cook for others from his family. Before long, he fell into culinary school and embarked on a restaurant career, opening the beloved Tin Roof in Maui. Now, with an impressive resume, he landed on season 10 of Top Chef Seattle and then later competed on the Charles season of Top Chef as well. And get this, he was voted fan favorite on both seasons. Add that to the James Beard nominations and other accolades under his belt, and it makes sense that he'd add a cookbook to the mix too. And so we're treated to Cook Real Hawaii, Sheldon's collection of 100 recipes that he says embody the beautiful cross-cultural exchange of islands. From Hawaiian traditions to influences from around the globe, Asia, Portugal, the Philippines, Sheldon offers recipes for everything from wok-fried poke, to crispy cauliflower katsu, to chocolate birthday cake butter mochi. We've got a great show for you today. Sheldon joins us to talk about his career, his debut cookbook, and of course, puts himself to the test in our signature culinary game. So let's head now to our virtual studio where Sheldon Simeon joined us to talk cookbooks. Hi, Sheldon. How are you? I'm great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course, yeah. Thank you so much for being on. So happy to have you on Salt and Spine and thrilled to talk with you about your cookbook, Cook Real yeah. Hawaii, which is beautiful. I love it. I've been spending some time with it recently. Um, but we always like to start by talking about you and how you got to the place that you are today before we come back to the cookbook. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your childhood and the role that food played in your childhood. I know you grew up in Hawaii, yeah? Yeah, born and raised uh, in Hawaii. Uh, grew up on the Big Island uh, in a small little sleepy, rainy town called Hilo. Uh-huh. Um, born into a family, uh, I don't know, I'll put it up there as as one of the, the f- highest food-loving family <laughs> out there. We, okay. We love, everyone loves food, and I was just like surrounded by food. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I was lucky as a child that my house was the gathering spot for all uh, types of celebrations, whether it's the holidays or someone's birthday or something. You know, it was always at my house. So we always had guests throughout the whole week. And uh, we also was the family that uh, f- cooked for our large gatherings. So like baby luau's and uh, high school graduation parties, upwards of five, six, seven hundred people uh, would be cooking, sure. <laughs> cooking for those types of parties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And you were sort of immersed in that right from a pretty young age. You, you were helping out in all ways. Yeah, totally. Uh, learned how to uh, make rice as soon as I came out the womb, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now your family, uh, I think both sides of your family are Filipino. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, Filipino. Yeah, talk about that influence too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my dad is... Uh, first generation uh, Filipino with 
my grandparents coming from the Philippines and then my mother was born in the Philippines. So okay. huge influence. Uh, you know, I'm always touted as a Filipino chef, but my, my lens uh, is through Hawaii. So Hawaii's kind of got this mixed up uh, kind of own Filipino cuisine just because uh, of, of how we do it out here, but uh, very Filipino, uh, uh, Ilocano, which is specific, this the northern region, so uh, very like uh, farm uh, driven, mm-hmm. kind of like that, that uh, yeah, sugarcane worker, hardworking kind of kind of food. That that's the 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 food and that I grew up around. Yeah, and when you weren't having these big six seven hundred people gatherings <laughs> at your house, what what kind of stuff were you eating on on a normal day? As a uh, child, uh, normal day. I mean, there's always uh, two two pots of uh, two rice cookers filled with rice, always <laughs> going uh-huh. at at my house because we never know who's gonna show up. Uh, but yeah, whether it's um, smoked pork that was given from my uncles or or fish from the the neighbors, or you know, there's always uh, some type of local beef that's in the in the freezer, we're always constantly cooking. We always had uh, vegetables from the garden from my grandparents' house. Uh, very simple. Oh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I take it for granted. We are like, oh my God, we got to eat the eggplant again. Or we got, oh my God, we got fresh eggs in the back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to see, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to grow up and know know exactly where my food came from uh, as, a, yeah. as a child. Yeah. Yeah. And wh- at what point did you decide food was maybe more than just a, a thing you did for family and you wanted to pursue it professionally? Did that happen gradually or was there a moment where it sort of clicked for you? Yeah. Uh, I think it kind of clicked uh, my senior year of, uh, of, of high school. I have an older okay. brother who went to culinary school uh, three years ahead of me. I thought okay. I've always wanted to be an architect. <laughs> I've always okay. wanted to. I took mechanical drawing, had all of the, the advanced math in school. And then senior itis kicked in. <laughs> My uh-huh. senior year <laughs> wanted sure. rather go ha- I'd rather hang out with the boys than than study for sure. And I seen right. kind of, you know uh, being that we cooked our whole lives, I seen that my brother kind of breezed to culinary school. Uh, so I, I chose the same path. Um, and then once I was in culinary school, I loved every moment of it. I was like, okay, this is probably what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And you went from culinary school right to working in restaurants? Yeah. Uh, culinary school, I did do a, a internship at Walt Disney World, which okay. changed my life. And uh, I, that's where I met my wife and uh, brought me brought me back to Maui, uh, brought me to Maui. That's how I, I followed her back uh, to the islands. So, And how quickly then did you go from culinary school to opening restaurants of your own? I think it was, it happened pretty quickly, I think. Well, I have, I have a, a, a great company to thank for that. Uh, Ho Aloha, who uh, I started off at Aloha Mixplate as a, as a line cook. And then in a few years, I, I became executive chef of that place just to, to grind and work and, and seizing opportunities, I guess. Yeah. 
And, and then what was that decision like to open your first restaurant? Your first restaurant was Star Noodle, right? Uh, yeah, well, I was partner. I was, that was my first responsive. That was, I didn't own it. That was, uh, sure. just the, the chef of it. Okay. Um, yeah, that was, that was crazy. That was, you know, thinking back of how young I was to be able to have the opportunity to run the restaurant like that. Uh, I, I, I poured my heart into it. I sacrificed a lot, uh, maybe a little bit uh, too much looking back. I'm very fortunate that I have a supporting wife, but, uh, you know, it was my first opportunity and uh, I gave it my all. And then you sort of, you, you catapulted to a different level of fame, I guess, when, when you first <laughs> appeared on Top Chef. What was that moment like when you, when you got that call that you were going to be cast? Oh man. 10, right. Yeah. Season 10 of top chef Seattle. Uh, you know, my head was down in the, in the dish pit the day that I got a call. My, my dishwasher didn't show up. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the hostess said, uh, you need to take this call. I was like, wait, uh, can't you see I'm washing dishes right now? Can you just take a message? Uh, but luckily, I, I took the call and then uh, went on and got casted on season 10. And, you know, it was to think back at it. I, w- I was so nervous and it was just like I was just literally a kid in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, just just doing my own thing. And here I am going to be on national television. But uh, it for sure changed my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you quickly became a fan favorite. You were on another season of Top Chef. You, you've you sort of become a beloved figure in the Top Chef community, too. I'm, I'm curious what that process of being on multiple seasons and being a fan favorite has, did for you as, yeah. a, as a chef. Like, what, what did you learn from that? What did you take away? I know you did a lot of, or I've read that you did a lot of introspection of in the moment, right? Like, am I cooking the right thing? Am I- <laughs> approaching this the right way like how did that that yeah yeah there was definitely a lot of reflection through the moments you know like yeah always in the beginning always questioning myself is whether i was worthy of 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 those positions but you know every single opportunity it was just like a moment of leveling up you know it's like never ready for that moment in general but you know you go through it and you survive it and you you get to look back at it as as damn, I did that. That was, that was super cool. And, uh, it just continues to do that. And through those years, I've met so many amazing people that has opened up so many doors. And, and now I get to have this great opportunity to talk to people and, and share, you know, my ultimate goal is, is like sharing Hawaii cuisine and then, and sharing the beautiful people of Hawaii and, and, it truly is paradise and you know hawaii has been painted in some sort of way in every, everyone's mind of you know hula girls and grass skirts and and elvis playing the ukulele so i get to show more in depth uh of what the real and rawness of of hawaii cuisine is through these opportunities yeah and, and that experience of going through top chef and <laughs> having having those feelings i mean it, it seems like it made you even more proud to be cooking yeah. hawaii food, hawaiian cuisine and, and the dishes that you grew up with and to be presenting that you know i hate the term but authentically to to the world 
Yeah. Yeah, you, you say Top Chef and I get like the Mufasa vibes. <laughs> like, ooh. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, there's so many great moments in it, right? That, uh, like cringy, yeah. some cringy, but some are just like, they're all amazing in, in general. But uh, yeah, it just opened up this huge platform and uh, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Yeah. And when did you decide it was time to write a cookbook? You know, I was always encouraged by by my peers and everyone that was surrounding me. And I've never been academically the, the kind of guy that's <laughs> studious and and tr- my head in a book and writing out essays or anything. And I never uh-huh. thought that I would write a book or be a part of that. And but you know, biggest encouragement was from my wife and. You know, and as I got to travel around the country and, you know, meet people, they always talk about recipes that they learn from their grandmother or recipes that they learn from their, you know, their family. And I learned it like firsthand, a quick story. One, one particular recipe kind of changed my, my idea on it. And that was the, our adobo recipe that we had in our family. My father, my father always uh, talked about how my grandmother would make it. And my grandmother, uh, my dad is the youngest of the sons. So my grandparents were already old by the time like we were uh, coming up. And he never could, could figure out this adobo recipe. But then I got the opportunity to go to the Philippines to learn it from a chef from the region where my grandparents came from. And when I came back, uh, I cooked it for him and his, his eyes lit up and it was the type of recipe that uh, my grandmother, which she was uh, searching for. And I, in that moment, I realized how lucky I was to be able to, to get that back. And I think back of how many recipes have gone by where it faded away. I was like, I wish I learned it from auntie. I wish I learned it from mom. And here I have this opportunity to put it down in a book and it, it, it can live forever. And uh, that was one of those motivating factors is like, okay, I can create this legacy through this book and share my recipes uh, with my family and, and everyone else. Yeah, sure. That, that trip to the Philippines and that adobo recipe, did that happen? That happened before you were writing the book or that happened as part of your book process? No, that happened before, uh, before, before. Uh, so there was all these moments of, of doing it, of that, like, okay, let's do it. Uh, I met, uh, amazing, uh, my co-author Garrett Snyder, who mm-hmm. right off the bat, we, we hit it off and this guy loved Hawaii so much. And, it was just talking to him, somebody that I could trust that could could share and speak the the truth about Hawaii and and really paint that picture through words, and uh, yeah, we did it. I can It was a crazy process for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, we just had the you know uh, start of the year goals uh, and every like cookbook number two talks are like heavy in front of everyone's mind. So uh, yeah. We see. There's, there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, for yeah. another book, right? <laughs> How'd you come up with the title, Cook Real Hawaii? Yeah, it was actually presented to me, the, the, the title, okay. Cook Real Hawaii. And and at first, I didn't like it. I thought it was uh-huh. like, it was, it was too in your face. It was like, what the hell? You know, I've, I felt a lot of pressure of, of like, okay, this is the real Hawaii. But 
you know, the real, in the end, I looked at it and the realness was like me being transparent and me sharing my whole rawness of like, this is what I experienced and this is the realness of it all. And those stories that I tell are real. Uh, the recipes, maybe everyone doesn't believe in it, but the place where it comes from is real. Like my heart here in Hawaii, growing up in Hawaii, all of those feelings are real. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And is that something you had to grapple with throughout the process of the cookbook, that pressure to encapsulate whatever real Hawaii is versus, you know, it is a really personal book. It's yeah. your personal stories, personal recipes. So did those things ever sort of feel at odds with each I other? Did. Yeah, there, there was, I always felt that here there was a huge opportunity and there was a sense of responsibility, but in, I also wanted to have fun in, in the process too. And I didn't want to take myself so seriously as if this was some type of, you know, encyclopedia of like, no, this is only Hawaii, you sure. know? And, and, and my food's like that. My cooking's like that. It's like, I love getting inspiration from, from uh, authenticity and traditional recipes. And then, you know, taking up my narrative and how I see it and, and kind of flipping it around. And that's, we speak about that throughout the book and, you know, like, Everyone has a bit of piece of, of memory of Hawaii, uh, whether it's seeing it on a TV show or coming here, experiencing or growing it up, growing up here. Is like I hope that those just like the stories and the recipes uh, bring up those memories so that they can make their own real Hawaii, uh, their own idea of what Hawaii is through those recipes. So. We'll be right back with the second part of our conversation with Sheldon Simeon. Don't go anywhere. Hey there, cookbook lover. Are you subscribed to Salt and Spine on Substack? If not, you should be. You'll find our full catalog of podcast episodes featuring more than 100 in-depth interviews with top authors like Nigella Lawson, Jacques Pepin, Samin Nosrat, and Carla Hall. And for just $5 or less per month, you'll also get access to hundreds of exclusive featured recipes from top cookbooks. You'll get early access to our quarterly cookbook club and author dinner parties and so much more. At Salt and Spine, we bring cookbooks to life, and we can only do it thanks to listeners like you. Join Join the Salt and Spine community today and support our effort to bring you top-notch interviews and the best cookbook content. Find out more at saltandspine.substack.com. And now back to our conversation with Sheldon Simeon, author of Cook Real Hawaii. And as much as you, I think, want to equip people through your cookbook (laughs) with the ability to do that, right? There's also, I know you intentionally did not include some recipes that some people might pick up a book called Cook Real Hawaii and think would be in there, right? Like Poi or Kalua Pig. Uh, Why did you decide not to include some of those recipes that some people might think are, are sort of staples in a book of Hawaiian cuisine? Yeah, I want like some of those recipes that people would think, you know, stereotype will be in there. Uh-huh. I think like some recipes are so simple that it doesn't translate into into a book. It's like you have to have it from the source. Like I know I knew people was got kind of get heirloom taro that <laughs> in somewhere middle America and try to make poi. Uh, with right. it. unless you <laughs> right. come here and you, you taste the different varieties and then you know pork in the in the oven color pork in the oven you're not gonna get that it, it'll be delicious nonetheless but it's not the same as if it's being 
cooked in the emu underground on lava rocks and all that. So, uh, you can Google those items <laughs> more than <Sure>. uh, <laughs> more than enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, we felt that there was uh, many other other recipes that we could share in its place that everyone's gonna would enjoy. Yeah. And what are some of those recipes? If you had to, I don't like to ask favorite recipes, right? <laughs> if somebody picks up your book and says, I want to cook a few things to yeah. introduce myself to your world. What would you suggest are some good recipes to start with? Yeah. I think one of the recipes is chicken hekka, which is uh, of a chicken noodle uh, dish, uh, uh -huh. which looks very Japanese on the surface. But if you search back its roots, you're not going to find this recipe <laughs> in uh, in Japan. It's very, sure. very Hawaii uh, in its base. And I love that. I love that there's recipes like that. Um, uh, another one would be oxtail soup, uh, mm -hmm. beef shank. It's just like one of those dishes where it brings up memories of huge pots of huge pots of uh, soup just simmering on the stove with cabbage and potatoes. And I think that so many different cultures have that, like just very humble meat, potatoes, and cabbage that people can relate to. Uh, I always go back to the Paloma, Lihimoy Paloma recipe. If you start off with a tequila drink, yeah. everything else is going to be perfect <laughs> after that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. Good way to approach it. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, now you've become one of the, I think, leading voices on Hawaiian cuisine. And when people think about Hawaiian chefs, they think of you. How have you seen over the course of your career, the cuisine of Hawaii or the perception of the cuisine in Hawaii evolve or change? Yeah, I, I'm glad that there's uh, been so much more opportunity to for local chefs to, to share our real culture here, you know, like Netflix <laughs> being on the show, I've got the opportunity to go on, you know, National Geographic with Gordon Ramsay and then share like these people in our communities that's been the generational knowledge passed down through years and years. And, uh, you know, media is seeking that out, you know, guys like you guys are, are willing to, to give us platforms to talk about our food. And it's, yeah, we're celebrating Hawaii food on a different level again. Uh, I think people are seeking out these old recipes uh, uh, through this pandemic. You know, this, this book came out and I see people posting photos and of their meals with their families. And uh, it feels, yeah, it feels like people are cooking a lot more uh, it makes me happy to, to see people cooking Hawaii food uh, for sure yeah. and celebrating it. Yeah. We're a show on cookbooks. So I always love to ask if there are other cookbooks or, or other cookbook authors that have been important to you either, you know, in your career as a chef or if there were any yeah. that you sort of turned to as you were writing your own book for inspiration yeah. or guidance. Arnold Hero. Um, he is a, uh, a historian here in Hawaii. Uh, okay. He's he's cooked. He's uh, he's actually a classmate of my 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 dad. Uh, but okay. he he was he wrote this book called Kau Kau, uh, 
and it talks about Hawaii cuisine. And he was a huge inspiration for me. I always had him on my shoulder. I felt like <laughs> always as through, <laughs> yeah. as I was writing this, um, you know, I go yeah. back to the, as far as cookbooks and I know everyone says it, but you know, uh, French laundry cookbook that, that mm-hmm. one is just like, it's so legendary, especially for, for me, uh, I only knew Hawaii food and then you get to culinary school and you, you look at like French cuisine and this like things that are so plated so beautifully. It was like, so eye opening to me and, uh, to be thinking that, okay, someday I can be able to cook that type of food that that cookbook was, uh, yeah, huge influence. Uh, what else? I'm I'm staring at cookbooks um, (laughs) here on the side of me. Uh, to um, not really a cookbook, but uh, art culinaire, uh, just the volumes. I spent my days I, at uh, in culinary school in the library, and it was crazy because nobody else was doing it. I would uh-huh. I'll grab all of the art culinaire hard hardback uh, magazines. I would uh-huh. find myself in the corner with stacks of it and just like going through it growing through it all and like the photography and the stories and about the chefs. It was, that's one of my favorite, favorite uh, reading materials. Yeah. Yeah. You learned a lot from those. Yeah. Yeah. What role since you, since we've talked about this a little bit, but what role do you think cookbooks play in helping tell that, that story of our culinary histories of preserving recipes? What role do you think cookbooks play in in achieving that? And how do you think your work fits into that model? Until I went through the process, I like never thought of like how personal a cookbook is and Uh how, how authors share these moments with people. And my dad was a cookbook collector. Okay. I'm waiting to the day that I can, uh, that I'll someday be able to have his collection. <laughs> I just went back home to his house and it's, it's crazy. Cause he has all these, uh, these old cookbooks, Hawaii cookbooks, but uh, wow. yeah, it's, it's there. It's like, it's a piece of history that is, it's like a photograph almost. Um, but just in words, um, yeah, cookbooks are important. And I hope that that families get to, whether it's it even it's even a, a piece of a, a notebook that's written down with recipes. I hope, I hope those will never, never go away because they're, it's a piece of history and that needs to be celebrated. Yeah. Well, we always end with a little game. So I thought we would put you to the test um, today. <laughs> uh, we've got we've got four stacks of cards here and we'll play maybe two rounds. Uh, it kind of works like chopped. So this will be what you have in your, your basket to work with. So we've got okay. proteins, All right. uh, vegetables, flavor, which is spices, herbs, um, flavoring <laughs> agents. And then we've got a secret ingredient stack as well which can be kind of random or just obscure ingredients so i'll draw one of each and i'll let you know what you're working with and you can assume you have a full pantry at your disposal as well to work from but um tell us what you might make if you're ready tell us what you (laughs) might make (laughs) uh if this is what you're presented um whoa i'm I'm getting like uh top chef anxiety vibes right now i love it no i'm sorry no no don't apologize (laughs) anytime i get to 
get to fire those up. I get pumped up, man. That's my cup of coffee in the morning right here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's see what we're working with then. Okay. Our protein is steak. All right. Steak. I love it. Vegetable. Vegetable is asparagus. Ooh. The flavor we have is lemon. And our secret ingredient is Coticho sausages, a large Italian pork sausage. Pig skin is mixed in with the meat and the spices. Okay. All right. So that's what we're working with. Coticho sausages, steak, asparagus, and lemon. (laughs) What might we make? (laughs) All right. Steak, I'm always like... uh... Is keep it as simple as possible. So I like steak that's seasoned well, and then mm-hmm. with a good sear in a cast iron pan, baste it with butter, a little bit of garlic, and thyme. Let it rest. Sure. It's going to be medium rare. Uh, the sausages. I'm going to make a, a pois sauce, but uh, I'm going to use that as the base because of the spices. I'm going to add some some Szechuan peppercorns, maybe some green peppercorns, finish that off with some cream and some demi. That would be the steak okay. sauce. And then okay. lemon, as- lemon and asparagus. I like asparagus or like when you're topping it with steak to be vegetables that are like seasoned heavily with citrus. So whether it's in this case asparagus, but it could be, you know, mushrooms or, or zucchini, but like a lot of citrus at the end. So steak up well with the, what was the sausage? Coticho. Coticho, cream sauce, pepper, peppercorn sauce, and then lemon seared asparagus over the top of it. It sounds delicious. That's great. Let's, <laughs> let's do one more. Let's, I feel like that was an easy one. Yeah, that was. That was <laughs> that those was things easy. that I would already would do. <laughs> right. Let's see what we get this time. Okay. Um, Protein this time is ham. Ham, okay. The vegetable we're working with is cabbage. Oh, there you go. Our flavor is ginger. Uh, and secret ingredient is flour tortillas. Okay. Flour tortillas, ham, cabbage, and ginger. All right. <laughs> what, do, what are we doing? <laughs> uh. I'm I'm thinking automatically uh, braised cabbage uh, dish uh, flavored with uh, make a ham stock. I'll take uh-huh. all, uh, and then I would chop up some ham, uh, put it with the ginger, and then uh, roll it between some flour <laughs> tortillas. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> We'll put it on the plate and then top it off with the braised cabbage uh, over the top of it. Yeah, that one's going to need a little bit of work. <laughs> it's moving in a good direction. Yeah, it's good. The flour tortillas took me for a spin. I know. Yeah, I mean, the braised cabbage, the, the ham stock, like that all yeah, sounds. That's all great. great. You know, and it'll be spiced from the ginger. That's great. Right. Uh, I mean, you can make some tacos. And we right. can do right. We can dice up the ham and cook that down, and just stir fry everything together, and put it between some tortillas. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. Well, I think we're on to something, but maybe a little refinement necessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we need a see. We need couple couple more secret ingredients. Maybe some cheese or something. Uh, yeah. To bind, bind it all together. Sure. Well, I I think that sounds great, and I appreciate you uh, playing <laughs> along with our little game. <laughs> right on. Well, Sheldon, it was so great to to have you on Salt and Spine and to chat with you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find bonus content, including featured recipes from today's show and all of our episodes on our new Substack, saltandspine.substack.com. Subscribe to get access to our catalog of recipes from our favorite cookbooks and partake in our quarterly cookbook club. Remember, if you like hearing from your favorite authors on Salt and Spine, and I hope you do, please click subscribe wherever you're listening. You can also leave us a rating on iTunes or some feedback on our Substack. Our show today was produced by me, Brian Hogan-Stewart, and our producer, Clea Worster. Our kitchen correspondent is Sarah Varney. The Salt and Spine original theme song was created by Brunch for Lunch. Salt and Spine typically records at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco's Mission District. The Civic Kitchen is offering both digital and in-person classes for home cooks. Find out more at civickitchensf.com. Thanks, as always, to Jen Nurse, Chris Bonomo, and the Civic Kitchen team, to Edible San Francisco, to Celia Sack at Omnivore Books, and to Monique at Hardcover Cook. We'll be back next week with more stories behind the cookbooks you love.